I'm Bob Sullivan, the new host of AARP's The Perfect Scam Podcast. And with Frank Abagnale and other top fraud experts, we're bringing you brand new episodes of America's most shocking scam stories. I got an email alerting me to 22 accounts that had been opened up in my name. Scam was masterfully designed. New episodes available now. Subscribe to The Perfect Scam Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Donato's just didn't add bacon to their pizzas. They added bacon to their bacon. Canadian bacon and hardwood smoked bacon. Or Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Get $2 off a large bacon duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important. Hey guys, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and a lot of other platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's basically everything you need to make a podcast all in one place and what we use to record your business. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Bonus bits, bonus bits, bonus bits. (laughs) Hey guys, Shayna here. So last week's episode with Tristan Walker, founder and CEO of Bevel and Walker and Company Brands, along with his boss wife, Amoy, had so many awesome things, and we definitely want to keep the conversation going during Mental Health Awareness Month. So this week, we're going to post the full, unedited, raw, total interview, um, because there was a lot of things that we weren't able to fit into the first episode. So I hope you guys enjoy. Uh, JJ and I will be back next week with a full episode. But in the meantime, make sure that you look at the show notes, you can pay attention to our Patreon link, our anchor support link, um, our social medias on there. Please continue to rate, review, subscribe, and pass the podcast along to your friends. And then we'll be back next week. Love you guys. Bye bye. Okay, so we are at the home of Tristan and Amoy Walker. Tristan is the founder and CEO of Walker and Company Brands, which you probably know from Bevel, the shaving system that helps get rid of razor bumps and irritated skin for men of color. We have skincare and beard products too, JJ. And be- <laughs> can I get to it? Jeez. Uh, Walker and Company also launched um, a hair care brand for women called Form. And uh, last fall, he sold his company to Procter and Gamble. So uh, thanks for having me at your home. And it's home of Amoy. Well, Facts. to be fair, I was looking at both of you when I said your home. Facts. Whatever. Y'all acting up already. Um, so this is a really uh, momentous occasion. So uh, a lot of entrepreneurs know of you, Tristan, um, and uh, have been inspired by you and look up to what you've done with Walker and Company, um, especially entrepreneurs who have uh, had their eye on Silicon Valley. Uh, and so to watch your transition into a full 
health and beauty uh, focused uh, company and set of brands, I think has been um, kind of a, a, a lesson for a lot of folks. So I'm hoping that you'll have some gems to drop Some for us. <laughs> um, and Amoy, I'm so excited to have you. <laughs> so y'all, I wrote a feature about um, Tristan uh, and his journey in Silicon Valley. Uh, what was that, 2014? 2014. Um, and it was about uh, him launching Walker and Company and his journey um, from Foursquare to Twitter uh, then to Andreessen Horowitz, which, which is a very well-known venture capital uh, firm uh, where he was entrepreneur in residence and then ultimately launching his own company. And Amoy was a very uh, <laughs> memorable voice in that story because um, she uh, talked about some of the practicalities of, you know, what it takes to um, launch and run a company, especially for black entrepreneurs where, um, you know, we often don't have as much of an opportunity to take risks. Um, and risks in business mean uh, something very different from um, <laughs> uh, for us uh, than it does to a lot of other folks. Um, so uh, I'm hoping we can touch on that today, too. So, <laughs> so um, I guess my first question uh, that I want to kind of get out of the way um, is you, so we'd like to give, um, our, our listeners an idea of like, what's a first step you can take, right? What's a, what's that one thing that you can do today or that one thing that we might not know about that could, you know, start your company. So, you know, you, you hated razor bumps and, and had bad experience experiences with them as a, a, a black man, um, as many of us have, and you came up with bevel. So what was the, what was that one thing that you did or that first thing you did from that took you from idea to company? Yeah. The first thing is, uh, and I tell a lot of people this, you just got to believe in yourself. I mean, there are a lot of people who will tell you every idea that you have just won't work. Um, but the thing that I had to realize was there were some things that I understood that those folks did not. Right. Um, so when we talk about like razor bumps and the experience of getting that as a black man, you know, I had folks on the other side of the table who didn't look like me telling me it was a bad idea. I knew exactly that it was a good idea, right? Because we had observed something that no one else did. Um, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs try and do the things that other people want them to do as opposed to the things that they should be doing. Mm -hmm. um, so the first thing I tell people is believe in yourself, believe in what you're, um, what you're thinking, what you're doing and just start. That's a, that's a piece of advice we get a lot from our interviewer, our interviewees, which is, you have an idea, just start. Yeah, right? that's it. Yeah. That's it. Um, and, you know, we've seen, you know, a lot of other black hair care brands, um, you know, steer away from their uh, intended uh, customer audience, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, in efforts to kind of expand um, th their reach. Um, you know, uh, I don't want to call out names, but I guess I will. But, you know, I, I wrote about um, Shea Moisture uh, uh, a couple years ago, last year. What year is it? It's 2019. Mm -hmm. That was that was I'm 2017. Sorry, oh, man. <laughs> that was in 2017. And, you know, Shea Moisture had just come out with the uh, hashtag hair hate um, ad, and they were attempting to expand um, to uh, 
people who are traditionally not in, within their customer base. And it ended up kind of coming off like they were leaving their other customers behind. So, you know, what's like, you know, one or two pieces of advice, like concrete piece of advice you can give people who are, who have a core audience about expanding, but also staying true to your voice. Yeah. So, I mean, first I would say is I don't know anybody else's voice, but my own. Um, I don't know anyone else's experiences, but my own. Um, and when we think about Walker and company, you know, I love us. Right. Um, and I don't know, I haven't lived any other experience. Um, and I think the opportunity for Walker and company, uh, as we saw it and focusing on this, this demographic, right. Our people was we influence, right. Mm -hmm. We influence every culture globally. Um, and if I'm focusing on us, I'm focusing by definition on everybody, mm -hmm. uh, without having to, um, you know, expand in ways that would be distracting. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, and another thing that I think you can speak really well to right now at this point in your career and your journey is, um, family life work balance, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, can we go back to the shame moist shit? <laughs> <laughs> Being in the background of watching Tristan build this company, you are beholden to investors, you're beholden to growth. And when you see big companies coming in your lane and literally taking over your aisle, it gets scary. Hmm. So when Rich made his decision... He made his decision to save his company. Mm. And so there's always this backstory that is happening and we need to pay attention to that. And as a community, be sensitive to that and be empathetic to that because it is hard building a brand when you have behemoths, just, they have millions of dollars to billions, of dollars. billions <laughs> of dollars to spend on ad campaigns, getting celebrities, mm. social media marketing and a young company just does not have those resources. So in some ways, yes, you have to stay true to your brand and your mission mm -hmm. and remain mission focused. However, there's always a backstory and being the wife, I get to hear the backstory, mm. right? Because entrepreneurship is, is a hard journey. Yeah. Mm. Like, I mean, look, rich, everybody kind of looks at the, um, the ad and has something to say he's been doing this for 20 plus years hmm. right um and he's very important. successful yeah it's important mm -hmm. he's still doing it mm -hmm. you know um and look if folks listen to what happened right um you know there are plenty of black folks in those ads um is algorithmic and folks took what they wanted and mm -hmm. ran with it um mm -hmm. you know He's trying just like everybody else is. Um, and he did just fine. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's important to reflect on the past 20 plus years of what he did. Yeah. Right. Um, and not penalize him right. uh, for what he's trying to do. Yeah. Right. And show props to what he's doing now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, you know, not, not you, but I think about it. You and him have very similar journeys <laughs> in terms of not in terms of the audience, but in terms of, you know, what, like you doing what you have to do to like keep moving forward. Yeah, I mean, Rich was selling stuff out of the trunk of his car, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's that hustler spirit. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the thing I've been very fortunate about, um, you know, in Silicon Valley, especially is, you know, making sure I stay true to that and doing what it takes to be successful. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, fortunately for us, we haven't had to make any compromises. Um, we won't make any compromises and we're doing what we can to make the company as successful as possible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I have a lot of respect for, for what Rich has been able to accomplish um, yeah. because of where he came from and where he went. Yeah. So as we just uh, witnessed, <laughs> Amoy, <Yes>. you've been <laughs> Amoy, uh, you've been a very uh, integral part of uh, Tristan building um, building Walker and Company, and, and, I've, <laughs> and, and I've witnessed it myself. You know, like you've been not just, um, I guess, what some would consider like a traditional, you know play a traditional role as the wife, but, you know, I've seen you at the company headquarters. I've seen you like interacting with staff, you know, I've seen you, you know, you've actually nudged me on things that Tristan might be dealing with or going through um, as, as probably a journalist who's covering him the most at this point. Um, So what are some, what are some things that you think um, entrepreneurs should keep, in mind and be aware of, especially entrepreneurs of color, as they uh, start to take their first steps into building a brand or building a company? I think what people don't realize is that entrepreneurship is an isolating and lonely experience. Who do you share your first idea with? Who do you share that you're having a rough day with? Who can you trust? How do I work through this problem? And I think that having people in your corner who you can go to and get honest feedback mm-hmm. is essential when you want to build a company. Because that experience that I've observed for Tristan is that there are days when he only had me to talk to. I remember we used to get up about 5.30 every morning and go to the gym. And Tristan was an EIR. And we'll spend most of our walk brainstorming business ideas. He'd be like, what do you think about this? Go. And then we'll just talk it through. And that practice of just developing that communication and that skill to give feedback and to give honest feedback, I think, is what has made his journey so much easier. Mm -hmm. She's pretty honest. Yeah, I can attest to that. Um, And, you know, Tristan, talk to me a bit about um, work-life balance. Like, how, how important is that? Um, and, and, and launching, uh, and, and maintaining and building and, and selling a company. Um, and, you know, how has it, how has what you've built here, um, uh, with Amoy and Avery and soon August <laughs> in a few weeks, there'll be a new edition. Um, we're actually sitting in August's room right now, which is really cool. Um, t- tell me about that journey and like, and how maintaining like work life family balance has helped you. Yeah. So I've gotten, as I've gotten older, um, you know, I tell my team this, I tell everybody this, we've talked about this, um, like definition around my values is pretty important. Um, and one of them is wellness. And I like to tell people, if you're not taking care of yourself, you're not taking care of the business. Right. But even, um, you know, when I think about my family, you gotta be very intentional about your time and prioritize your time from day one. When I started the company, I did a couple things. First, I told the team that I was going to be leaving at six 30 every day to go back home. I wanted to feed my son. I wanted to put him to bed. I wanted to interact with him, et cetera. That has not changed. 
Um, I was the first person to go on paternity leave or maternity leave at my company. Um, I did that six months after we started the company. Um, mm. And I was very intentional about that, right? Mm. Um, what ha- what so what what happened when you went on uh, paternity leave? What 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 did the organization look like? Business went on. We launched. Mm. Well, who right. stepped up like to take over? Everybody. Mm. Um, you know, I did a good job too of telling them I wasn't going to be reached. <laughs> um, and as um, you know, the new baby's coming. Uh, I'm already setting that up, right? Um, you know, I have learned to trust. Uh, my team, um, because business goes on, right? Um, I also have to realize that, you know, my name's on the company, but so is hers, so is his, and so is the next one, right? Um, so it's important um, that, you know, everything that happens at the company is also reflected back at home, right? And that's like through the values that we have. Um, and as I'm doing this stuff, it shows that my employees can do the same thing. Um, and there's nothing that I can argue about. So there's no favoritism. I believe that family is the most important. Um, and I was the first person to take paternity leave the entire time, but I wasn't the last. Mm. Right. Um, you know, I was the first person to say that you know, I was going to leave at six 30. I wasn't the last. Um, and that sent a pretty important signal. Um, and it's just important for me. Right. Cause I know what my priorities are. Yeah. yeah. I think it's actually the other way around. The values from our family are reflected in Walker & Co. That's right. I do remember drafting the mission statement with you and coming up with those values and Mm -hmm. thinking about what is core to us. Mm -hmm. What are the things that are important? Because when times are hard, we come come back to those Mm -hmm. values. Mm -hmm. And I believe that those values are are reflective of some of the values that we have in our family. I think that's a good uh, segue into uh, my next question, which is about mental health. You know, we are very um, uh, adamant about uh, black folks uh, taking care of themselves, both physically and mentally on the podcast. And, um, you know, I, I'm a firm proponent of mental health and therapy as well. Like I started therapy uh, years ago. I've had, I've had like, several different ones but um my most recent one uh he's also a black gay man and i love him mm-hmm. um but <laughs> but you also revealed to me something i didn't know uh recently which is that last year you started therapy that's right um so i'm curious about like what led you to that mm-hmm. like what was going on at the time and then after that amoy i'm wondering like if you could talk about like you know what you saw and like did you kind of push him to that decision totally <laughs> so um therapy you know, after family and all that is is frankly the best thing to happen to me frankly like i um it has had such a profound impact on the way i just see the world and operate within it um for anyone who knows me i think more than i speak um and there is a gift in that and a curse in that uh because i internalize way too much right um and in times of extreme doubt, anxiety, stress. Um, I believed that I was a superhero and I'm not right. Um, last year was a pretty intense time. I remember, um, you know, when we moved from Palo Alto to Atlanta, um, we had our last session or one of our final sessions. Um, and you know, despite me crying because I, you know, had a great therapist and all that, um, you know, she reminded me of all the things that were, that hadn't happened before we met right 
Um, when we met until the time that I'd left, a number of things happened, right? We decided we were going to move to Atlanta. We were in the process of selling the company. We found out that we were going to have a, another child, right? Um, at the time at the company, we were not able to raise money. Hmm. Um, we had to let go of great folks uh, within the organization. Like these five things were just a very small bit of the story. Um, and at the time I felt like I was doing it alone. Right. Um, and certainly I had my wife at home and she was helping me kind of think through some things. Um, but I think more than I speak. Right. Um, and I started to look not only changes in behavior, body changes, right. Um, it got to a point when, um, you know, I had to make some changes. Um, what, what does that mean? So, you get new allergies to things, panic attacks, right? Um, you know, bodily changes, right? Um, cold sweats. Like it's entrepreneurship is no joke, right? Um, but also, you know, one of the one thing happened to me that um or one thing that I learned, which was really interesting, there's some interesting research going on in Stanford right now that talks about how, you know, trauma actually gets passed down generation to generation to DNA, right? Yeah. Uh, and mm -hmm. at that point I, I realized a couple of things. Number one, um, you know, that I was a victim of trauma myself. Hmm. Um, you know, my mom was too, my brother, et cetera. Um, and it made me start to think about like, not only forgiveness, but how to, um, interact, uh, with not only family members, but also friends of mine or whomever who's had to deal with that. Right. And it's, um, you know, this practice of mindfulness and this idea of shared suffering and self-compassion. Like these are things I've had to learn mm. over the past six to nine months that I hadn't before. Right. Mm. Um, just think about that. Like mindfulness, shared suffering, self-compassion, not having known those things and having gone through all those things. That's tough and trying and difficult. And I wouldn't wish that on anybody. Yeah. So how, what advice would you give? Um, well, before we get to that, I want, I want to hear from you and Moy about, you know, what that was like for you, like seeing him go through that. And then like, what, um, you know, what, what did you say to him? How did you react? So as I'd mentioned before that entrepreneurship looks amazing from the outside, but at home and in the workplace, there are lots of challenges that you have to work through. Tristan is a single founder and he has to tackle most of this on his own while being a husband and a father. And for the most part, we live our family values that Tristan and I are going to try to get to 50-50 as much as we can. Um, most of the times he cannot get to 50-50, but he is always there. And just making sure that his family's okay, making sure his business is okay, I think that took a toll on him. And he was getting hives. He had, I think, three to four sinus infections. And so physically, we could not say, oh, nothing's going on. We had to take a real look. Um, I remember the breaking point because I'd, I had been bringing it up for weeks, like maybe it's time. I'd been in therapy for about eight years at that point. Um, just unpacking all of that generational trauma, understanding that this, I could pass this on to Avery. What am I going to do to support Avery? What are the tools am I going to give him? And I was telling Tristan, maybe it's your time now, um, 
to enter therapy because we don't want to pass on some of these values to Avery and the fact that we just tough it out or we pray about it or we fast about it. We have to actually take some real action. And one night, Tristan got into a habit of eating desserts. (laughs) That sounds familiar. (laughs) Every night we had Postmates or DoorDash coming by, dropping off his little ice cream or cookies. And that night he'd forgotten that he'd placed an order and we're sitting on the sofa watching TV as we usually do. And he'd had a long day and he'd forgotten that he'd ordered his dessert and the doorbell rings and Tristan screams. And I'm sitting there like, why? It's 9 p.m. And he'd forgotten about the order. He's like, who's disrupting my life now? And he literally had a moment that he like physically broke down. Mm. Like that is how intense the journey has been. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you've covered Tristan and you tell wonderful stories of how he raises capital, how he has these amazing partnerships. But on the back end of that, he is human. And um, and that night I was like, we, here it is. Mm. There's, there was no controlling that burst of emotion that came from being shocked. It was like that last shock made him just fall apart. And that next day, he sent me a list of therapists. He wrote out a script, like I told him, and he was on the phone calling around. Oh. And he found a match. Well, look, I, I got sick. <laughs> literally. Mm-hmm. And um, the odd part about it, is some of the things that I mentioned as reasons why I went into it were good reasons or good things to celebrate. I was selling my company. Mm-hmm. I was going to have a child. <laughs> I was moving to Atlanta, right? But like these are big moments and decisions um, in the context of everything else going on. So that, that tripped me up, right? The fact that you know there should be reason to celebrate why am I not celebrating? Mm. Um, and the fact that I felt that way didn't sit well with me. Um, and you know, I started by saying kind of the, all the things that my therapist said hadn't started. But when it ended, I felt I was a much stronger CEO. I was a much stronger husband. I was a much stronger father and son and brother, right? Um, having gone through it, I, I wouldn't... Um, have changed anything. Mm. And I realized at that point, you know, there's therapy and then there's my own like personal faith. Right. Um, you know, we went through a season that season was long. It was arduous, but seasons end, (laughs) you know? Um, and you know, you get into your season of bouncy. Um, and you know that that doesn't last forever either. Um, so this, no, no, no. (laughs) so this idea of like, you know, this reconciliation of, um, you know, the ebbs and flows of life and being mindful about that and the fact that we're all sharing in the suffering, but also you need to find room for self-compassion. Changed my life. Changed my life. Yeah. So, um, so again, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of our listeners who might be, you know, <laughs> listening to this and, and like, okay, I'm, I'm feeling some of this. And I also, you know, have aspirations to, you know, uh, raise a million dollars or sell a bunch of, 
<laughs> Please do it. <laughs> or, or, or like, or, you know, launch a product that really catches on and, and develop like a really um, a devoted uh, customer base. Um, but I, I also know some of these things. What, like, what are some of the steps that you think they should take right now as far as um, being able to uh, be, you know, present for the business, but also be serious about therapy and mental health? Yeah. So I've been a CEO for six years, my first time doing it. I've been blessed and fortunate to have a whole bunch of folks like you write about me, talk about us, um, and, you know, have a bit of a kind of profile. So I get a lot of folks who come and want to get advice and all that stuff. And the thing that like is really interesting, I have a hundred percent of those folks who come to me who want to start a business always ask, you know, what do I need to do to start a business? I've never had one person come to me and say like, how to be a CEO, hmm. you know, mm-hmm. those are two very different things. Like being a founder and a CEO are very so what's different the, what's things. The diff- lay it out for us. Being a founder, you don't necessarily have to hire people. You don't have to fire people. You don't have to lay them off. You don't necessarily always have to raise money either um you don't have to do one-on-ones with people you don't have to you know when folks come to you to talk about their problems at home right you have to empathize with it you have to learn about that right um this is what a ceo is the one thing i always appreciated about ben harowitz is the fact that he talked about how being a ceo as things change other things stay the same like ohio lottery scratch-offs from small tickets to big tickets from bright colors to flashy themes there's something for everyone big wins make big stories but it's the millions of small wins every day that make life-changing memories and your biggest win will come by following the state recommended safety protocols during this special holiday season lottery players are subject to ohio laws and commission regulations please play responsibly sucks (laughs) right being a CEO does suck, but it's the most rewarding thing I've ever had to go through and I wouldn't do anything else. You know, that frame of mind made this a hell of a lot easier for me. Mm-hmm. All that stuff about therapy. Imagine if I didn't have that frame of mind going into this, mm-hmm. man, like it would be a challenge. So the first thing I tell these entrepreneurs, is prepare yourself for what you're getting into um, because it won't be flowers, even if you think it will be, mm-hmm. um, but it's going to be rewarding. It'll make you a better person on the other side. Right. Yeah. So number one, be realistic, right? And if you can't be realistic, ask and ask the right questions, right? Um, because being a founder is not the same as being a CEO. Um, oh, go ahead. I don't think people prepare for the emotional work of being a CEO. You're constantly interacting with a variety of people in many different capacities who have their own unique experiences. And when you have to process that and make decisions for your company and to maintain the values of your company and dealing with that, it is a hard balance. And dealing with your emotions before you get to the workplace, I think is is really important. We've been talking a lot about therapy, but I also want to say therapy is expensive. Most health insurance providers do not cover it. Um, so for us as a community of, of first generation, you know, having access to wealth, we have to watch our, our, our money. And I understand that is expensive, but you have to really try hard to think of it as a basic need, um, and put it away like how you put cash away for, 
you know, groceries or for your, your day-to-day necessities, because it's truly important. Yeah. Yeah. One of the people I really trust, a uh, woman, Rosalind Brewer, she's CEO of Starbucks right now, board of Amazon. She's just one of the most amazing people on the planet. Um, we had to come to the office and talk to the team. And one, one of my um, teammates asked the question to her, can you have it all? And she said something in response that really stuck with me. And I think the rest of the team, she said, yes, just not all at the same time. Hmm. Um, and I think there's this assumption that, you know, folks read the articles, they see the people who raise the money. Um, they, you know, hobnob and talk and there's all this stuff, but like they want it all. Um, and it's hard to have it. And I'm not sure when you get it, that you're as satisfied as you thought you would have been. I always say like this experience for Tristan has been a paradox. Um, It has brought us amazing opportunities. We've been able to make um, great decisions for our son to have the best education that we could possibly access. We can give back to our families. And that has truly been amazing. However, it does come with a side where it's challenging and and that paradox has to be 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 recognized that's great um so in recognizing that paradox <laughs> uh you know another thing that we talk about um as you mentioned earlier on your business is um this this uh this gap in the in the uh in financial literacy right so you know my i didn't have wealthy uh, i didn't come from a wealthy family and you know i grew up in mississippi my 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 mom came from mississippi my dad grew up in you know uh poor in alabama um but they they built a nice a nice life for themselves but there were just simply things that they could not pass down to me as is the case for a lot of black millennials and we talk about this a lot on the podcast so there are a lot of things like in our 30s that we're just having to deal with and grapple with and like how do i do this what does this mean how do i build this how do you know how do i apply for this and you know et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. things that are just like second nature for you know frankly white folks a lot of white folks Mm -hmm. um because not all uh but um so i'm i'm curious like you know knowing that you have um avery who's uh you know just so full of personality he's gonna (laughs) he's gonna do something great one day uh i imagine um and then you have uh um a, a, a son on the way like what are some what are some things that you hope to pass down to them that uh that you know maybe your parents didn't pass down to you in terms of financial literacy? oh man uh this is okay first avery will and should have the luxury of choice and doing what he wants to do that makes him feel like he's the best in the world at it. I didn't have a choice. Um, I felt I had to be a lawyer, finance, doctor. I'll never forget my mom. (laughs) I have very few memories of like my childhood, but I remember one thing or one of a few things. Um, There's a gentleman who came to my house. My mom called me out of my room. I think I was probably seven, eight years old. 
she looked at the gentleman and said, this is Tristan. He wants to be a doctor when he grows up. I was like, oh, really? <laughs> now, see, I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that moment. It's weird, like, I, don't remember, I don't remember too much about like my childhood, but yeah. I remember that, you know? Um, Avery should do what he wants. Um, and I'm fortunate and blessed to, at least right now, believe that I can set him on that track. Um, second, um, the one thing that I've been very serious about my entire life is not only like saving, but being very disciplined about um, my finances. Um, you know, at least I got a little bit of that from my mother um, in her paranoia, right? About um, not having and I'm still to this day fairly paranoid about it. It actually even translates into my business. Like I am very, you know, I, you know, Tyler Perry gave me some great advice. Um, Ooh, I, had to, I had to interview him a couple of times and it's actually advice he got from Oprah. Um, you had to interview Tyler Perry. I had to interview him in a couple, couple cities um, <laughs> after I left Foursquare. I know you got something to say. Anyway. <laughs> and he, uh, I sound like my, uh, my co-host Shana who's not here, like sing song <laughs> and everything. I mean, the, the thing that's interesting about Tyler Perry, I mean, like he was homeless for a while. He's one of the highest paid guys in Hollywood. And he's doing this thing. And he said, he got some advice from Oprah. It's to sign your own checks. It's interesting advice, right? Like, you know, your power bill, right? Know where the money's going. Mm-hmm. Um, at Walker and Company, like, you know, it's everything's digital now, <laughs> but, but I look at every single cent that goes through and it's important that Avery, especially growing up in a way that's different from the way I did, that he is responsible about reconciliation in that way. And I try to do that within the company. So, or in, within the family. So, he should be able to have choice and freedom to do what's going to make him passionate um, in life. And he feels he can be the best in the world at it. Um, frugality to the extent that I can. And look, I'm certainly recognizing the fact that he's not growing up in the same way that I can. I'm more just have. Give a thumbs up. <laughs> but, but it's, um, I think we, the two of us are pretty steep in those values and we came from a place that was different from what he's coming from so we're trying our best and we'll try our best right, mm. uh, to do so um, but choice enables a lot right um, and choice also provides him room to be thoughtful about what we're saying to him so we haven't spoken about what I do um, I actually I'm a progressive educator I taught at a small all-girls school in Palo Alto for yeah, 11 years yes she is <laughs> and a big part of what I do is teach students about the human experience. And a lot of what I teach is fact and evidence-based. And I read an article, I think a year or two ago, that Black boys who come from wealth aren't as wealthy as their parents. And my hope is that Avery's not going to wait until when we die to benefit or have wealth. I want to make sure Avery can have wealth while we're alive. He shouldn't have to wait on, you know, that payout from life insurance. And so when Tristan talks about living that frugal life, it is for real. Like I am 30 something weeks pregnant and it was easy to get Avery out of the house to go to Starbucks every morning. He'd be like, do you want to go to Starbucks this morning? He was like, yeah. (laughs) Tristan hit me at the end of like the first month and was like, this month you spent this much on Starbucks. You have to cut it back. And I was like, dude, it's helping me to get out of the house. But it's that idea that even though, you know, a two to three dollar drink, 
a day, it adds up. And over a month, it gets to be something that's that's really big. And so Tristan was just like drawing my attention to that. And I was like, I can't believe this man is doing this. But if we don't mind our money, then we're not going to have those values for Avery. And I had to be like, Avery, we've had too much Starbucks this week. So you have to make a decision. Are we having Starbucks or is mom going to make you an acai bowl at home? That's funny. That's so millennial. He loves acai bowls. You got this little four-year-old eating acai yeah, bowls. But, but the, I think the, the important part is like, that asking giving him a choice yeah right like he can choose and he needs to learn that it's a choice right he can choose to have it now or not like i i care very deeply about not getting complacent about this stuff but the other thing especially as it relates to avery and kind of the next child is i was so paranoid my mom's so paranoid about money that people sometimes don't spend you know, and we need to enjoy our lives a little bit, you know, um, and it wasn't until probably I turned <laughs> a couple of years ago where like, you know, I was a pity pitcher on everything so much so that I refuse it's to spend bad. like I'm bad. Like it's, it's I try to save as much as I can because I'm paranoid about not having a world where I'm able to, well, um, I, but I, I'm freed up right to, you know, yes, go to Starbucks, but those two days need to chill, you know. <laughs> do, you free, do you feel freed up because you sold the company? Or? No, 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 no. When you say no. you freed up, how did you get? I've been that? saving all of my life. Mm. You know, I've our retirement four hundred one k is like we've we've been doing that since I met a when I was twenty years old. We've been doing it since like maxing it out, right? That sort of thing. Like we, this is before we had any of this you know any of the before i was even a thought for this podcast mm-hmm. right like we were principled together about this stuff um so we had at least a good foundation about it right yeah. um but it was almost that like we were so principled that sometimes it's like all right like do we have to go on vacation this year yeah. hell yeah we should go on vacation this year right <laughs> but like you know i had to learn that sometimes like life is meant to be lived too. yeah yeah we bought our first piece of real estate in 2007, the year we got married. Yeah, two years after we met. (laughs) Yeah, and um, I remember that it was important for us to do that because we understood, well, Tristan understood. I, I had baggage for years about managing my finances. I just never had... Wonderful examples of that. As many of us do. Um, and I do not know how Tristan, as a person who comes from poverty, have such discipline because there are moments when I just don't. Um, and he has to really get on me and be like, Amoy, you need to update the budget. You have to stick to the budget. That's why we have budgets. And him just enforcing that always and putting that as a value in our marriage, I really had to to change my behavior and to be more mindful of that. And even still today, he's like, you have not logged into the mint account (laughs) 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 to check your spending for the month. I'm checking. (laughs) 
And so <laughs> that discipline allowed us within the first two years of, of dating um, and having a dual income to, to buy us a little condo in Queens. And we're able to sell that when we moved. And that has set us on a path to, to have some financial stability. Um, that is one thing that from the day I met Tristan, I knew that we will probably never struggle financially because he made sure that we never spent what we don't have. And this is like even before like the Wait. Andreessen and Walker and Company and like... This is Stony Brook University. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I, I think, and I say that because I think it's cool. Um, I mean, not cool, but I think it's good to hear um, an, a well-known entrepreneur talk about like the minutia of like finances because uh, like i said it's just sometimes it's just something that we don't we don't have like our all the synapses are not like <laughs> connected mm. uh, when it comes to money for a lot of us when i say all of us but i know I speak, i'm speaking for myself and for people i but know i think that you said you, know, you described me as a well-known or well-known entrepreneur i'm a person yeah, but, has, but like responsibilities, right? You know? Which I know, yeah. but I know I also know that people hearing this um, will their first thing will be like, "How you know, really, you know, what, what, how are you gonna tell me about you know, like you talked about get like going to therapy and how much therapy costs?" And I think it's it, it's a little it's kind of humanizing to hear you know a person of your stature talk about penny pinching and like the budget and mint.com because those things you know still uh remain important like even as you build a business and like you know sell a company Mm -hmm. and you know and move to a place where you're better you know more financially uh uh comfortable Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. um so that that, that's what i mean look there are things that um are enablers right like I mean, Mint probably launched for 2005, something like that. And it's gotten, whatever, better over time. But there are tools that require you're not having to write it down or memorize it, right? Um, and look, life is hard enough. Running a business is hard enough. Um, you know, there are tools, things that you can do to simplify it. And look, I'm also, um, I do recognize that I've been blessed, fortunate to have, to be even in a financial position that's different from what I was 10 years ago, right? But just like seasons start, they can end. Um, and this isn't guaranteed, <laughs> right? Um, and I want to make sure that I get as close to a guarantee as I can, right? That's in my power. Um, but I'm not the one in control. I think also Tristan's journey is slightly different than mine in that I, my mom is a single mom. She worked in the shadow economy for 11 years in America, she was undocumented. And I felt an obligation to always give back. And I think a lot of first generation college graduates feel that pressure. So here we are trying to build our lives. But we also have to carve out giving back to our family. Because for poor people, wealth moves down. And that pressure of, oh, so-and-so needs to borrow $100 to pay the light bill this month or they can't make the mortgage. That responsibility that all these people invested in your future. They bought you that bed in the bag to go to college. (laughs) (laughs) They they gave you that whatever $25 to take the train back. Whatever it was, they believed in you and they made your dream possible. And so 
I do not want to discount that. And that's something that I am now dealing with. My brother and I talk about it every day. Everyone needs a budget. And what does that look like for mom? And how are we going to make her comfortable? So we're not having these one-off situations. And how do we stabilize that in our budget? And I think for me, that was the hardest part of the budget, was stabilizing what do you give to family and what are your other expenses and fulfillment to the immediate family that I have that was Tristan? Mm-hmm. And so that for me is is was real and was mm-hmm. hard for me to deal with. Yeah. And it took me years and I had to deal with it in therapy mm-hmm. and unpack that. Why do I feel this draw? And I think a lot of young millennials have that same feeling. Mm-hmm. But it has to be a line item in the budget. And everybody needs a budget. And we need to get our, get our family stable and living on a budget. Mm-hmm. So it's not just... My budget now that I'm looking at, my brother and I are like running through budgets with my mom Hmm. and she's in her fifties. So it sounds like one of the lessons that is uh, developing here is uh, to uh, be able to, or or push yourself to have like a conversation about money, even generationally. Mm -hmm. Like I, like I can't even tell you like (laughs) the last time I had like a money conversation with my mom. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't even, I don't know. Like I, I actually, I can remember times where I've, it's come up in conversation. I've kind of backed away from it. Mm -hmm. You know, I wanted Mm -hmm. to ask about, you know, certain, uh, things and how things were and certain expenditures and be like, mm, that, you know, she might not, you know, feel too good about that question. Mm-hmm. So let me mm-hmm. just back away. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's what, what, what's very new that I'm hearing you say, Amoy, uh, about, you know, the fact that you and your brother talk about, well, one, putting a, a line item in potential family needs in your budget, but also that you and your brother talk about a budget with your mom. Like that's, that's new. <laughs> we we all have parents who've supported us and we feel that pull. And that pull comes up so sporadically that you may be saving towards something for yourself. And then here is an instant that comes up and you have to support this family member. And if you know that's going to happen, you know, Tristan always said, don't respond to it in the moment. Make it a line item. If you don't spend it, you don't spend it. It is there. But you know that it is there and it is not a surprise. And I think that is the most valuable lesson I've learned over these years. But it took therapy and like coming back to these family values of being mindful of how we're spending. Um, But as first generation, you know, people that have access to wealth, we really have to have these conversations with our families. And it is hard um, it does not feel comfortable to ask a very independent 50 something mom, what is, what is your budget looking like? What is your spending looking like? Tell me, how are we going to chart this out? What is your retirement? Because for my mom, she's been a domestic worker and she's, she's had a lot of physical wear and tear and she's someone who's going to need a lot of, you know, health. She's going to need a lot of interventions later on in her life. She's a person with type 2 diabetes. So my brother and I have to think strategically now, how are we going to afford that Hmm. in 10, 12, whatever, 20 years? And so in thinking about the landscape of that, we have to start now because I don't want those expenses to hit me later and not be able to afford it. Yeah, like... I don't like surprises. I don't like surprise birthday parties. I don't like surprise clowns coming out of boxes. I sure as hell don't like money surprises, right? 
And to, to tie it back to like my business and family stuff, what doesn't get measured doesn't get done, you know? Um, and it's important that you're intentional about measuring everything. Um, and that has stuck with me for a long time. Like that's, that's something great. I learned really early. Well, you got to write measured. it down, mm. right? Um, that applies to business. That applies to real life, right? You got to have goals. And you got to have something to try to attain. Without it, what are you trying to attain? Yeah. That's good. Um, I'm curious, like, in a more, uh, that's really good advice, what you said about, um, you know, having a conversation with your mom. But how did you even get her comfortable to, like, it, or maybe it's still a little, you know, uh, thorny. But, but how did you get to the point where, you know, how did you warm her up to the idea of, like, talking about finance with her daughter? I think it's still an ongoing process. I'm not saying it's perfect, but my mom, she has worked really hard. Um, my brother's at NYU getting his PhD. Um, I went to Stony Brook, then I have my, my master's degree from Columbia. My mom has always been supportive and she's a proud woman. And I think the way my brother and I put it is that you've worked really hard. Um, you're a grandma and you say you want to be a grandma. And so my mom is going to relocate to Atlanta. And with that relocation, my brother and I said to her, this is your time to live. And if this is your time to live, let's start fresh. And my mom is leaning into that idea of, you know, making a budget, trying to figure out what her actual expenses are. Can I go to Jamaica to see my dad? Um, can I go buy this toy for Avery? My mom likes buying Avery lots of toys. Way too bad. <laughs> um, and so having her think through that and not use the impulse of just doing something, I think it's 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 a learning process. But my mom is moving here, and I think that gave us the opportunity to have a conversation. And now my brother is older. So it's kind of like that two against one type situation mm -hmm. where we both agree we need to have this conversation. And I think the reason reason why we're able to have this conversation is because both my brother and I believe that we had to take care of our mental health and we have to be very clear on how we're going to approach situations. And I got advice on how to approach my mom in therapy. And I knew how to do that with some skill and not make her feel, you know, less proud than she should be because my mom works really, really hard and she is a force. Mm -hmm. And so how do you approach a person who is a force, right? And just learning those skills in therapy helped me to approach her. Yeah. Um, and then finally, you know, there are all kinds of resources now, like there are a billion podcasts, there are a billion shows, there are a billion books. Tristan, I know you're reading a lot right now. Um, what are, um, well, uh, since we don't have a lot of time and we got to get back to Avery, uh, <laughs> what is like one app, website, um, podcast that you, uh, both are, you know, either of you are, are listening to, um, or each of you, I want to hear suggestions from both of you, um, that, that we should be like tapping into, like, you know, something that is feeding a part of your brain that, you know, a lot of people might not know about right now. Your business. <laughs> no, 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 that's no. Just, I mean, it's it's, it's, it's real talk, though. I think the and for the people who listen, the people who listen, but they should share it. 
I mean, I think you guys are the only folks asking these questions, right? I think there are some other practical things. I mean, we talked about mint, right? I think it's a wonderful thing. Whether it's mint or things like it, get at least one and run with it. Um, when we first met, I think we first read that book, Millionaire Next Door. Remember that? Yes, we did. He made um, me read that book. And like, I mean, I haven't read it since, but um, it was it was a helpful foundation um, for folks that didn't really understand what that stuff meant. Right. Um, this idea of frugality and kind of being intentional about your finances and wealth. I think that was really, really great. Uh, what else do you think? Have we been together with this stuff? Amar, you started laughing when he started talking about that book. Why? I just remember he made me read three books. <laughs> what do you mean? Like we were dating and he was like, you must read these three books. And I, I was just so taken by his handsome intellect handsomeness <laughs> that i did read the books you were so taken by his handsomeness that you slid into his dms <laughs> in 2005 <laughs> on facebook i did i did i did yes wait can we talk about the other part of that though and this is like this is public knowledge <laughs> How's this relate? Like, <laughs> so, yes, yes, so, Mort, yes. so you, so you hit him up on Facebook, and how, Facebook, the Facebook at the time, Facebook. and what, what was his response? I oh, first God. poked him because that was like, <laughs> I don't know what that is today because I'm not versed on social media. Um, I poked him, and there was no response, and I hadn't known anyone that knew Tristan, um, <laughs> and I'm busy searching for Tristan Walker and one of my friends was like I know him but he may be in London right now on an internship and I was like what <laughs> so, <laughs> so with that bit of information I like researched some Emerson or, or Thoreau quote <laughs> talking about like leaving and being bold You're so corny. <laughs> and I sent him this long so message corny. about how he's brave <laughs> he's so corny so corny. She was the corny. Uh, uh, listen, I see what I want and I go for it. You surely want for it. Every day to believe in themselves. I believe in myself. Um, and his response was like, "Could you send me a close-up pic?" Oh, uh, those Decepticons out here on social media. That was early social media generation. Oh my god! You know, it worked out. Uh huh. It, it sure out. did. Here we are. I love my fifteen years later. <laughs> I love it. Um, well, thank you both so much for agreeing to do this of highly, course, highly geez. educational podcast, <laughs> of course, um, interview. And you know, it's it's. Um, I think it's going to help a lot of folks to hear. You know. Uh, you two talk about these issues. So thank you. Thank you, JJ. Thank you, JJ. <laughs> All right. Bye. That shit's going to go viral. <laughs> you know, as different as everything seems this holiday season, one thing still holds true year after year. Everybody loves holiday scratch-offs from the Ohio Lottery. And with tickets available from $1 to $20, they're the perfect gift for anyone on your list 18 years or older. So, stay safe this year and play it safe with your gift-giving. Give scratch-offs from the Ohio Lottery. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Please play responsibly. 
Donato's just didn't add bacon to their pizzas. They added bacon to their bacon. It's Donato's new Bacon Duo pizzas. Two pizzas, each with two kinds of bacon. Try the new Pepperoni Bacon Duo with pepperoni, Canadian bacon, and hardwood smoked bacon. And the Chipotle Bacon Duo with Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Now get $2 off a large bacon duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important.